Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Apologies for the interruption of Angel reading the Paul Bunyan stories. Due to illness, they will temporarily be replaced with Polly reading the Railway Children. Chapter 1. The Beginning of Things. Part 1. They were not railway children to begin with. I don't suppose they ever thought about railways except as a means of getting to Maskeline and Cook's, the pantomime, the zoological gardens, and Madame Tussauds. They were just ordinary suburban children, and they lived with their father and mother in an ordinary red-brick-fronted villa with colored glass in the front door and a tiled passage that was called a hall, a bathroom with hot and cold water, electric bells, French windows, and a good deal of white paint, and every modern convenience, as the house agents say. There were three of them. Roberta was the eldest. Of course, mothers never have favorites, but if their mother had a favorite, it might have been Roberta. Next came Peter, who wished to be an engineer when he grew up, and the youngest was Phyllis, who meant extremely well. Mother did not spend all her time in paying dull calls to dull ladies and sitting dully at home waiting for dull ladies to pay calls to her. She was almost always there, ready to play with the children and read to them and help them do their home lessons. Besides this, she used to write stories for them while they were at school and read them aloud after tea. And she always made up funny pieces of poetry for their birthdays and for other great occasions, such as the christening of the new kittens or the refurnishing of the doll's house or the time when they were getting over the mumps. These three lucky children always had everything they needed. Pretty clothes, good fires, a lovely nursery with heaps of toys, and a mother goose wallpaper. They had a kind and merry nursemaid, and a dog who was called James and who was their very own. They also had a father who was just perfect, never cross, never unjust, and always ready for a game. At least, if at any time he was not ready, he always had an excellent reason for it, and explained the reason to the children, so interestingly and funnily, that they felt sure he couldn't help himself. You will think that they ought to have been very happy, and so they were, but they did not know how happy till the pretty life in the red villa was over and done with, and they had to live a very different life indeed. The dreadful change came quite suddenly. Peter had a birthday, his tenth. Among his other presents was a model engine more perfect than you could ever have dreamed of. The other presents were full of charm, but the engine was fuller of charm than any of the others were. Its charm lasted in its full perfection for exactly three days. Then, owing either to Peter's inexperience or Phyllis's good intentions, which had been rather pressing, or to some other cause, the engine suddenly went off with a bang. James was so frightened that he went out and did not come back all day. All the Noah's Ark people who were in the tender were broken to bits, but nothing else was hurt except the poor little engine and the feelings of Peter. The others said he cried over it, but of course boys of ten do not cry, however terrible the tragedies may be which darkened their lot. He said that his eyes were red because he had a cold. This turned out to be true, though Peter did not know it was when he said it. The next day he had to go to bed and stay there. Mother began to be afraid that he might be sickening for measles, when suddenly he sat up in bed and said, I hate gruel. I hate barley water. I hate bread and milk. I want to get up and have something real to eat. What would you like? Mother asked. A pigeon pie, said Peter eagerly. A large pigeon pie. A very large one. So mother asked the cook to make a large pigeon pie. The pie was made, and when the pie was made, it was cooked. And when it was cooked, Peter ate some of it. 
After that, his cold was better. Mother made a piece of poetry to amuse him while the pie was being made. It began by saying what an unfortunate but worthy boy Peter was. Then it went on. He had an engine that he loved with all his heart and soul, and if he had a wish on earth it was to keep it whole. One day, my friends, prepare your minds, I'm coming to the worst. Quite suddenly a screw went mad and then the boiler burst. With gloomy face he picked it up and took it to his mother, even though he could not suppose that she could make another. For those who perished on the line he did not seem to care, his engine being more to him than all the people there. And now you see the reason why our Peter has been ill. He soothes his soul with pigeon pie, his gnawing grief to kill. He wraps himself in blankets warm and sleeps in bed till late, determined thus to overcome his miserable fate. And if his eyes are rather red, his cold must just excuse it. Offer him pie, you may be sure he never will refuse it. Father had been away in the country for three or four days. All Peter's hopes for the curing of his afflicted engine were now fixed on his father. For father was most wonderfully clever with his fingers. He could mend all sorts of things. He had often acted as veterinary surgeon for the wooden rocking horse. Once he had saved its life when all human aid was despaired of. Father had been away in the country for three or four days. All Peter's hopes for the curing of his afflicted engine were now fixed on his father, for father was most wonderfully clever with his fingers. He could mend all sorts of things. He had often acted as veterinary surgeon to the wooden rocking horse. Once he had saved its life, when all human aid was despaired of, and the poor creature was given up for lost, and even the carpenter said he didn't see his way to do anything. And it was father who mended the doll's cradle when no one else could, and with a little glue and some bits of wood and a penknife made all the Noah's Ark beasts as strong on their pins as ever they were, if not stronger. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.